0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991;
1: to Boston,
0: Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
2: Good morning. at 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen. Um, interesting stories out this morning as we get back to uh, the markets on the uh, really the the second day of trading for the quarter, but uh, kind of feels like the first since it's a Monday. Bats, global markets pricing its IPO, 11.2 million shares, $17 to $19 a share. Alaska Air Group buying Virgin America. Fifty-seven dollars a share makes the deal valued at about four billion, sharp higher after Foxconn formally signed a rescue deal over the weekend. The stock up four percent to close at 130 yen in Tokyo. And FedEx out there marketing non-dollar bonds for the first time because interest rates are so low. Company offering euro-denominated notes between three and ten years, including at least 500 million of floating rate notes maturing in 2019, according to a person familiar with the matter. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines.
3: Mike, thank you very much. Amtrak says it's operating trains today as scheduled, although there may be some delays on Acela Express, Northeast Regional, and other services between Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware. Yesterday, a train heading from New York to Savannah, Georgia, hit heavy equipment on tracks outside Philadelphia, and the lead engine derailed. Two Amtrak employees were killed and more than 30 passengers were injured. Ryan Frigo with the National Transportation Safety Board says they've recovered the event data recorder.
2: Most of our team has arrived on scene, and we will be looking at mechanical, operations, signal, track, human performance, and survival factors.
3: A monitoring group says an airstrike on an al-Qaeda-affiliated headquarters in northern Syria has killed at least 22 militants, including a senior al-Qaeda-linked spokesman. The Britain-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights says jets thought to belonging to the Syrian or Russian air forces targeted the headquarters of an extremist group that fights alongside the Nusra Front. The first group of refugees were deported from Greece to Turkey. as part of a controversial European Union plan to curb migration to Europe. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time
2: now for the uh, NBC and Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stasho.
0: All right, Mike, opening night for the Mets against the team that beat them in the World Series last fall. And in Kansas City, Edinson Volquez was sharp, hurling six scoreless innings. And the Mets did get to the Royals' bullpen, scored three runs in the eighth inning, had two on in the ninth. But KC closer Wade Davis struck out David Wright, then Ioannis Cespedes. The Royals hung on four to three. Matt Harvey took the loss. Can't blame him for Kansas City's first run. That was on Cespedes, who had his fielding woes in the World Series and who in the first inning last night dropped a routine fly ball. At what could be a chilly stadium today, opening day for the Yankees, Yanks and Astros, just as it was in last year's wild-card playoff. Seeing pitchers as that game, Masahiro Tanaka and Houston's Cy Young winner, Dallas Keuchel. Nick set out Carmelo Anthony and Christoph Porzingis. They battled Indiana but fell at the Garden 92-87. The Nets set out Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young. They both won't play the rest of the season. Nets beaten by New Orleans 106-87. Another route for the Yukon women 80-51 over Oregon State. Huskies will seek an 11th NCAA championship, fourth in a row. Tomorrow night against Syracuse, we beat Washington 80-59. to Men's final tonight, North Carolina and Villanova. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stapfjell.
2: Thank you, John. Well, we are watching futures higher and stocks in Europe are higher on the day. Currencies, the euro, 113.67, is down just a touch, but that's still a strong number. The yen strengthens 111.67. This is Bloomberg Surveillance Worldwide. Welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keane, and as I mentioned, uh, futures trading higher. With the S&P E-mini futures up six points now, we're adding uh, to gains three tenths of a percent. Dow futures 37 higher, two tenths of a percent. The stock 600 in Europe is up four points right now, one point one percent. The DAX at 100 uh, is up 111 points, one point one percent as well. So a strong start to the second quarter. This the second trading day of the second quarter. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu.
4: Here's Bob Moon. Michael, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Another hard lesson that technology is not always a business's friend. A massive leak of data from a Panama law firm has exposed 11.5 million records outlining the creation of more than 200,000 offshore shell companies dating back 20 years. And in the process, it's embarrassed politicians, celebrities, and criminals around the world. Consider this. What sounds like a huge amount of documentation these days can walk out the door of a company on a hard drive smaller than a pack of cigarettes. Apple's latest attempt to crack the smartphone market in India by selling used phones is meeting a wall of resistance. The iPhone maker is seeking permission to become the first company allowed to import and sell used phones in the country, its second attempt in as many years. This time, the stakes are higher, and a growing number of industry executives are fighting the move, warning government officials in private that it'll open the floodgates to electronic waste, and make a farce of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Made in India program to encourage local manufacturing. And Google confirms it has removed a Taliban-developed online app for Android smartphones, aimed at increasing the militant group's visibility worldwide. The launch of the app was reported on Friday by a group that monitors jihadist social media. The app included content such as official statements and videos from the Taliban, which has waged a jihad in Afghanistan for more than 14 years. And that's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael.
2: Bob Moon, thank you very much. Well, last week the uh, S&P 500 finished up by 1.8%. Uh, People are getting a little bit more confident about the direction of the stock market. Katie Stockton is not one of them. Uh, she's uh, the chief technical analyst at BTIG, and she has a note out from over the weekend that uh, raises a question of whether or not analysts and investors are overly bullish about the way things are going. Uh, I would call you our black cloud for the day, but the weather is going to take precedence there, Katie. So we'll just uh, say, say you're the second downer. <laughs> um, why? What? What is concerning you?
5: You know, for me, it's gone a little bit too far too fast. So, obviously, the S&P 500 is now up about 14.5% from February's low. And and to me, the momentum is still there, and yet it's really kind of fallen off in the past week or so. And when when you look at overseas markets, you're seeing a a more significant loss of momentum there that I think will ultimately carry over to our market as well. It just feels like it's being boosted by sort of false hopes to me. And uh, you can see that in, in some of the gauges of sentiment that we track. There are two types of uh, sentiment gauges the investor polls where they actually take a poll of investors and say, well, you know, how do you feel about the market right now? And then there are the transactional gauges, and that would be not just how you feel, but how are you positioning uh, via things like, uh, you know, puts and calls and and, uh, looking at the VIX and things like that. And that to me um, is is a more important gauge, those transactional gauges. And they're pretty stretched right now to the highest point where uh, uh, since the S&P 500 peaked back in early November, well,
2: what what are people buying that, that tells you that?
5: Yeah, you know the rotation more recently has been somewhat offensive, but for the quarter, for the first quarter, it was a much much more defensive overall, and a lot of that, of course, was in January when you saw defensive sectors like consumer staples, utilities, and telecom exhibit you know leadership as the market went lower. Um, More recently, we've seen a backup in certain areas. You know, technology has done pretty well. Um, You know, discretionary has held up. Um, Of course, the more defensive sectors have pulled back with the relief rally. But I think this may be temporary. Um, So the sector positioning that I'm watching that's somewhat promising is is actually in the previously unloved sectors of the market, looking at areas like materials and energy. And industrials, of course, have really just been on a tear on a relative basis.
2: Well, let's let's clarify that. Are you talking about... Um, The market being stretched on an overall basis or just some sectors and maybe we see some rotation?
5: You know, so when I talk about sectors, I'm usually talking uh, from a relative perspective because we all sort of live in this relative world. We always, always need to outperform, right? Um, so when I talk about them, you know, the industrials being on a tear, right now it's absolute and relative terms, but, you know, as the market pulls back, um, which is what I expect, you would just look for relative outperformance, which doesn't necessarily mean it goes higher from here.
2: What about um, uh, the disconnect, or do you see a disconnect between what uh, companies are saying and what the sentiment indexes are saying?
5: You know, um, I don't track the company data as much as a technical strategist, um, but what I am looking at, you know, is, is pretty similar in some ways. You know, we're all looking at the various inputs into um, macro factors and, and earnings and, you know, crude oil, of course, being one where, where you had a positive correlation between the equity market and crude oil up until the last week or two. And, and it's interesting to me uh, the divergence with that sort of correlation that existed where you're seeing the European markets, for one, actually track crude oil more closely now, and we've seen sort of a breakup in that relationship between the S&P 500 and crude oil prices. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's reconciled, and and as you know, I I would expect it to be lower um, S&P 500.
2: Katie Stockton is with us, chief technical analyst for BTIG. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. We're watching the markets, uh, at least the futures markets at the moment, ignore uh, Katie's pessimism. Um, They're still on the greed side of fear and greed. S&P up uh, six points, three-tenths of a percent. This is Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Untuck It. Think your shirt is too long to wear untucked? It probably is. Untuck It has solved this, making shirts designed to be worn untucked. Visit Untuck and use code WVBR for 15% off to improve your wardrobe.
0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit Sector, SPDRS.com, or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. U.S. stock index futures are edging higher as investors look for fresh cues after the S&P 500 index closed at its highest level of the year. Right now, S&P E-mini futures are up 4.5 points. Now E-mini futures up 26, and NASDAQ E-mini futures are up 9. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. The DAX in Germany is up 1.1 percent. The 10-year Treasury up one thirty-second, The yield 1.76 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.73 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 0.4 percent or 13 cents to 36.92 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 0.3 percent or $3.50 to 12.20 an ounce. The euro, $1.1373. The yen, one eleven point six one. Alaska Air Group agreeing to buy Richard Branson-backed Virgin America for $2.6 billion, and Virgin America is up 39% this morning. BATS Global Markets' initial public offering may value the second largest U.S. stock exchange operator at as much as $2.1 billion, more than double the expected valuation in its first attempt four years ago. And Tesla Motors up almost 4% after Chief Executive Elon Musk said pre-orders for its Model 3 electric car reached 276000 by Saturday night. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
2: Karen Mosco, thank you very much. We're talking with Katie Stockton, the chief technical analyst for BTIG, who is uh, somewhat pessimistic about the outlook for equities. And uh, let me clarify, over what period? I mean, when we talk about overly bullish uh, signals being sent and a pullback in sight, how long would that last? Are we, are we way oversold, uh, overbought here?
5: So we have signals both on the short-term time frame and also the intermediate-term time frame at this stage in terms of how widespread overbought conditions have become during this backup in, in the S&P 500. We're actually at the point where I believe it's 93% of the constituents of the S&P 500 are above their 50-day moving averages. So it's uh, it's not really a sustainable level. So your first inclination is to have a bullish takeaway from that, and, and a lot of people do right now, it seems. Uh, but in reality, that level is um, um, really quite overbought or overextended, and, and not likely sustainable beyond, you know, days. Uh, so, so it's really a short-term call from measures like that. And then when you look on an intermediate-term basis, certainly momentum has improved. Um, you know, that suggests that maybe we could make a higher low relative to January and February. That would be, you know, to me, best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, the overbought conditions are, are quite widespread. They affect uh, more than 50% of the S&P 500 at this stage
1: did a lot of work last week on the technical construction of oil, and the answer mm-hmm. is I kept coming back to the word indeterminate. <laughs> it's almost a no-man's land, a range-bound, wither this way, wither that way. Which wither way is the wither?
5: Yeah, so... <laughs> So I think it's, you know, the price action, which I call backing and filling, is part of a basing phase. And so the reason I say that is because momentum sort of improved over time as crude oil is finally stuck in the mud here. So to me, this backing and filling is part of a bottoming process with an emphasis on process where it doesn't necessarily you know, get that V bottom and go straight up, but rather we get a series of, of rallies and retests. And, and, indeed, right now we're in this retest mode. I'm looking for some support to come into play for WTI around $34 per
1: barrel.
2: Well, we should mention that oil has turned around since the show began. both West Texas and Brent are higher right now by two-tenths of a percent, Tom.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, they're they were weak and they've come back a little bit, but it's interesting. The no man's land. Katie, tell me about the most loved thing I've seen since the 1960s, which is big cap consumer stocks. They pay dividends, they've got presumed dividend growth. How do you technically justify acquiring shares at something with a 20 plus PE multiple? That's, you know, a, that's a, a I mean, the, faith, isn't the
5: it? way you can always justify it is momentum. So there are times at which really the fundamentals and, and uh, you know, the chart of a stock sort of diverge where, you know, with the way that that stock is acting isn't really aligned with valuations. And, and those are the times where these indicators that we use can come in really handy. So looking at momentum tools, a lot of them are derived from moving averages of price. So when you look at the consumer staples ETF, for example, it's still, has very strong momentum, and, and yes, indeed, looks overextended by some measures. But you know, as long as you stay on the right side of these moving averages, right. um, you generally do better.
1: What is momentum? How Mom- do you define yeah. momentum?
5: <laughs> So, I mean, it's price momentum, right? So it's really just based on the price of the stock. And, it, it, you know, it's sort of like the train in motion is more likely to stay in motion type of thing. So it's it's driven by, you know, investor behavior, sort of, uh, you know, that, that sentiment that we're trying to gauge, um, you know, with all the indicators that we use. So it's market behavior that sort of manifests itself in this momentum. And, again, you know, sometimes diverges with what we think a stock should be doing.
2: Well, I'm looking at um – Uh, an indicator that you mentioned you look at, I don't know how much faith you put in it, the CNN Money Fear and Greed Index, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm just looking at it right now against the S&P 500, and it looks basically like a momentum indicator. It's very contemporaneous.
5: Right, right. So, you know, a lot of the indicators that we use are more coincident in nature. Rarely ever can we find indicators that actually have a a lead time to that. Um, Usually we use relative strength analysis to get any kind of lead. Um, But, you know, with the CNN Fear and Greed Index as one transactional gauge of sentiment, that actually incorporates, I believe, seven various transactional gauges, including that VIX, including junk bond demand, various measures that I think are important. Um, Indeed, it's it's somewhat correlated to – you know, peaks and troughs in the S&P 500. So the backup in that CNN fear and greed index and now the elevated level that we last saw in early November, that's somewhat concerning. It tells us that the market may be a bit frothy. And then when you just think about the numbers, um, certainly you could, you know, justify that.
2: uh, You you said uh, when we started, you were looking at, you know, what's happening in the options markets and then with the sentiment indicators. Most of the sentiment indicators telling you the same thing uh, as this uh, CNN?
5: Yeah, I would say so, and some aren't quite as extreme. Um, but, you know, really the investor polls are showing bullishness is having increased, albeit less so. Um, so, you know, it's just a matter of, of trying to understand which gauge works best for you. When you look at the VIX, um, it looks very oversold. Um, in fact, it has some counter-trend signals uh, based on indicators derived uh, from uh, Tom DeMark's um, sort of set of uh, his toolbox. So I think that's kind of interesting where you actually have oversold conditions in VIX, being enhanced then by the overbought conditions in the equity market.
1: Within this and with the technical construction, one of the great things that people like to do is get away from short-termism, look at weekly charts, look at monthly charts. Mm -hmm. Where are we in a bull market or are we not in a bull market spanning back five or six years?
5: Well, I think we can safely say that the bull market that began, you know, 2008, 2009 has been reversed. Um, So in a way, sort of a cyclical bear is still, you know, or still has a hold on on the broader market. In fact, I drew a nice little downtrend channel on the S&P 500, which broke some very important support levels in January. So to me, you know, all you have to do is look globally as well, where, where you can see these downtrends are much more pronounced. So I think we need to work within that framework. And indeed, it's always important to take a step back and look at the intermediate and long-term charts, but unfortunately, these days, we're all forced into being somewhat short-term if we indeed want to outperform the broader market, because if you miss these types of moves, you know, like this 14.5% rally off the February low, then really, you're you're missing too much in order to, you know, outperform for either yourself or your clients.
2: What's happening outside our borders in in other markets, uh, same conditions?
5: Right. So the the downtrends there um, are more pronounced, as you could imagine. You know, we've seen underperformance over the long term from, you know, really any developed global market for the most part. Certainly, we've seen some outperformance over the near term or the recent term by the likes of Brazil, um, you know, and and some of the emerging markets have done quite well very recently. Uh, But again, they, they look overextended just like our market, you know, from a short to intermediate term perspective. And, you know, when you look at where there's resistance on these charts. They're, they're, for the most part, still making lower highs on their charts and right up into some resistance in, in a lot of cases based on where it broke down in January. And even the same can be said for the Russell 2000. Uh, one of the worst looking markets to me is Japan. Um, so, that you know, it's suffered a loss of relative strength. It suffered a loss of momentum. And it, it just acts poorly. And, and I think that's a message from the market.
2: Tom's been all over Japan the last couple of days here.
1: Yeah, we've been covering it like crazy with the yen weaker, you know, rather stronger, the yen stronger, mm-hmm. breaking through to new Abinomics level. Do you have a call on yen? I mean, if you look at point and figure and do a horizontal count or something like that, do you have a target on yen? I mean, 110, 109?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously discovered a little support here in this 111 area, right, or you could call it resistance, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, What's interesting is we actually have a counter trend signal as of today, and it's really the first one in months. So it would suggest that this level is actually going to hold at least in the very near term. Um, So no no real target. It's not my my practice to assign targets. Uh, But if it does breach that 111, then I think you'll see some significant follow through.
1: Katie, thank you so much. Katie Stockton uh, with us this morning. Greatly appreciate that, Katie. Good look Stockton at on charts, BTIG. Overall, yeah.
2: Good look at overall um, outlook, good, yeah, well, with they, the way people are looking at things. Well, you,
1: things. Were, well you were gone using me and Tucker's uh, uh, vacation days.
3: I had to put uh, them both together. Yeah. I
1: know. Well, very good. Did you good. have a good
3: time? You yes. have good time? Yes. Yes. Did we miss him? Yes, we did. Okay. We did.
1: <laughs> we, had, we had nothing going there's on. There was some like, question there. It was like central bank. It was like central bank derby, Michael McKee. Something to talk about. Well. with Mr. McKee when we get some free time. Uh, futures up five down, futures up
6: 26. McKee voting for Villanova. It's Bloomberg surveillance.